Do you guys wear your cool shoes today too? The people know. Because <laughs> we all know you are the mortgage guy. Yes. So you're telling me my dog Airbud can't get that million dollar mansion? <laughs> He's a professional basketball player, Brad. <laughs> like Harley biker like Harley? biker. Sure. Like I'm a bit of a poser in the cyclist community. Yes. What? You just gotta stop eating eggs, right? <laughs> I can't. Bring back steroids and baseball. Pride of homeownership is undefeated. I would say the right time to buy a home is always yesterday, I guess, is right. probably what most people say. Yep. Literally, seller paid, down payment, whole thing, got in for $1,000 of their own money. They just rolled $150,000 of equity into their next property. Moving yep. up. They have a carousel in there. They now. do have a carousel <laughs> in there. Your name had to be Max Powers. You had to be making the millions. I was like, Brad, uh, I need this done. <laughs> That's the job. That's the teamwork. Right? For sure. Just let me just mow my lawn and drink my beer in the alleyway. Yep. The home you get is always the home you were meant to get. I'm I'm at the bars reading the books, Brad. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to episode nine of Weekly Deposit. We are glad to have you here, but we have a very special guest with us today. Someone who's we've been promoting all week, a top tier mortgage loan officer with Bell Bank, an avid cyclist, a lover of nature and the outdoors, a deranged Minnesota sports friend, Hugely. like all Minnesota sports fans, <laughs> a knowledgeable sneakerhead, and most important, and probably the best title, an amazing dad. Welcome, Brad Nolan, to the podcast. Thank you, sir. Thank Welcome. You. I'm glad to be here. I appreciate those uh, those kind words, that rundown of, of uh, my interests and things about me. So thank you. Thank of you. course, of course. You know, we always want to big up our guests. So before we begin, I want to thank everyone that sent us their real estate and mortgage finance questions. Um, thank we you. appreciate it. And we will be sure to answer all your questions later in the podcast. So continue to watch. Um, but Brad, I want to kind of get into some other stuff uh, first. Um, cause we all know you are the mortgage guy. And so we'll talk about that a little bit later in the podcast, but first tell us a little bit about yourself, the person, Brad Nolan. Sure. Um, I'm, I'm born and raised and still currently live in St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, I have two children, seven and three, uh, a boy and a girl. They take up just about all of my time where I'm not working. Uh, and even this week, as we talked about, while I am working, while my son was sick and I'm working at home trying to juggle things. Mm -hmm. um, as you mentioned, I'm a, uh, a biker, mostly mountain bike or mm -hmm. fat biking in the winter. Um, road biking I do as well. But, um, you know, when you have kids, you just got to try to find ways to stay active, to get outside. And, and so that's... So I was going to use, sorry to cut you off, but no, I was no going to use the term biker, but I didn't know if that meant like... Like Harley biker like Harley? biker, sure. So I use cyclists. So I was that, like, "That's probably the proper term." Okay, and okay I'm a bit okay. of a like I'm a bit of a poser in the cyclist community. Yeah, so really. I, you know how I thought you. You know, you're a professional almost because you go so many. You know, I, for a while you like bike what like a two three hours a day. Yeah, I'll bike. I'll bike for a, if I get on my bike, I'll go for a while. But I'm kind of like that. Uh, that wave of bikers that came from oh. COVID where it was like, well, everything's closed. I'll buy a bike and that'll become my personality. Gotcha. <laughs> Better than the Peloton. Gotcha. Uh, I have a Peloton as well. So, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think I mean, <laughs> at least you're outdoors. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. I, when I can, um, I try to get outside and, and spin okay. the wheels a little bit. Um, so I want to kind of tell the viewers and listeners how we met. Sure. Right. Yeah. The good old Maplewood Mall. Yes. Right, an um, institution in Minnesota. <laughs> it's a great mall, by the way. Yeah, That's a <laughs> they have a carousel in there. They now. do have a carousel in there. You're there to shop. <laughs> yep, <laughs> and it's pretty empty. So if you ever want to go, yeah. yeah. So uh, talk about kind of the whole Maplewood Mall start. How me and you met, and sure. how maybe coincidence, maybe fate, maybe whatever. How we kind of got into the same industry later on. Too. Sure. Well, we met, as you mentioned, mentioned at the Maplewood Mall. I was working as an assistant manager at K Jewelers, and you were working at T-Mobile, yes. I believe. Um, and it was kind of this weird corner where it was like uh, K, T-Mobile, even AT, Billy was over at yeah, AT&T, kind of right around the corner. Um, and there was just like a couple of us, me, you, Billy, Gorin. Marlandis. Um, Yep, we all just kind Journey, of yeah. connected. Remember, I'd bring the TV out on Sundays. Yeah. We would watch Vikings games. Yep. Um, but I, in a weird way, I think a lot of us had the time to connect at Maplewood Wall. If you remember, it was back just after the recession of yeah. 2009, 2010. 
So the mall just wasn't all that busy. And so that's kind of how we were able to, you know, converse, interact with one another. Um, and then kind of down the road, I got into more, went to Wells Fargo, got into mortgage. Um, and we always kind of lightly stayed in touch probably through like Facebook or something. Yeah. Um, and then you went to, I believe, VSM. Yep. And we reconnected and, uh, and the rest has been history. Yeah, I mean, Maplewood Mall was uh, crazy, but I think we're all just genuine people, like me, yeah. Goran, you know, you, Billy, Marlandis, and we all just connected because, like you said, there was time on our hands. Right. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, were you guys actually working or just hanging out? Mostly hanging out. I remember, <laughs> I watched Goran, uh, one day Goran brought the, the Taken movie and we watched the full Taken movie while we were at yep. T-Mobile Kiosk. Now one sale happened. <laughs> I uh, doubt it. Well, hey, man. <laughs> Hey, I was still getting paid, so. <laughs> yeah. No, we were having fun. And it, that's, I mean, when I think about, like, myself and how I view different economic activity, like, yeah. working at a mall in 2009 is definitely one of those things where I'm like, going to a mall today is far different than it was in 2008, 2009. Yeah. I mean, there's two, three times as many yeah. people right now. They're actually buying stuff. Um, it was pretty surreal working there's, at a You said there's more retail. people now or then? I would say more people now. Really? Yeah. And even with like the Amazon and everything? I, I felt like the brick so. and mortar. Yeah. I mean, at least from what I see, like when I, I don't go to Maplewood as much just because I don't live over there, but like Rosedale, Mall of America, when I'm with my kids, mm-hmm. yeah. when I'm walking through, I'm like, there's more people here shopping. When we worked at the mall, it seemed like it was a lot of mall walkers, yeah. uh, teenagers hanging out, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and now it just seems like it's more people who are there for a, a reason to shop. Yeah, Rosedale is pretty pretty busy. Yeah, I feel like the yeah. mall is the the winter place because it's like where else do you go if you're not really into winter activities? Right, stay warm, get a meal, watch yeah. a movie, whatever. Yeah, and yeah, spend, exactly. and spend money. Yeah, yep. Yeah, but then I also think it was also all of our sale backgrounds because we were all in sales, right? Yes, and in one way or another, right? You right. were selling jewelry. Marlandis was selling shoes. Billy was AT and T. Me and Gorn were T Mobile. Right. So it was all like sales jobs. So. You know, it's same age, natural sales. progression yeah. type thing. Yep. Yep. Um, and, uh, well, we forgot uh, Brianna. Brianna, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad. I yeah. know she's going <laughs> to. There's been a lot of a lot of faces that we've kind of met through the way. Yeah. And really when you, I mean, even like I think about myself working there, before I worked at K, I always had an interest in real estate. But Gorin was kind of the first one who. Yes. Um, sort of vocalized it in yeah. a way that kind of resonated with me. And I was kind of like, man, maybe this guy's onto something, you yeah. know, with real that guy for nothing. sure was onto something. Yeah. yeah. And he was the one he, I remember he, you know, big ups to him. He would come in for eight, 10 hour shifts and literally afterwards go to his apartment to fix something for his tenants or stuff like that. Even back then he was starting to acquire real estate. So yeah. smart he's a hustler. Dude. Yeah. Gorgeous yeah. hustler. Um, okay, through your personal Instagram account, we see that you love biking, sure. cycling, uh, regardless of Minnesota weather. How'd you get into that? You know, I actually got into it to who is now my brother-in-law, uh, lives down in the Milwaukee area. He, ho- he has a YouTube channel specific to like mountain biking, winter biking, nice. um, with a pretty good following. I think he's up to about 11,000 followers. Um, mm. but he brought me out, uh, winter fat biking the first time and I'd never done it. Um, and it was awesome. I had a blast and he's just like, well, if you like this, you should try it in the summer when there's not snow. (laughs) Um, and I did that and I was like, yeah, this is pretty fun. Is it Um, still the, the fat tires in the summer too? No, in the summer, it's more of a skinny tire. Um, but it's just kind of one of those activities that, um, you know, I'm not going off crazy jumps or flying through the air or anything like that, but it, it gives me like sort of that feeling of being on a bike when you were a kid, just kind of like. A little bit of a sense of adventure and and kind of, you know, I don't have my cell phone on me for the most part. So it just feels like you're kind of disconnected from things going on. Yeah, we all need that. So what uh, what trails do you go on? Uh, In the cities here, I typically go to Lebanon Hills down in Egan. Egan. Yeah, Um, it's close by my house. Yep, Battle Creek I'll go to over in St. Paul. um, But mostly up a couple hours up north in, uh, in Ironton Crosby, there's a place called Cuyuna. Um, and that's where my short-term rental is. And they have, you know, 100 miles of, of uh, mountain biking trails up there. It's Would you say that's your favorite? Without a doubt, yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's kind of what's probably the longest you've biked for. 
That's a great question. I would say the most that I think I've done on a mountain bike, I believe, was 18 miles, which is Jeez. a decent amount. But like when you when I'm out there talking to other people, I'll be like, "Well, I've got 30 miles in today, and I'm going another 10." And I'm like, "Jeez, okay, that's a that's more than I would care that, to do." Yeah, quite honestly, you know. Um, Doesn't your butt get sore yes. on the bike? Though? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> and that's where I'm. I'm by no means. Um, like an endurance biker, especially yeah. having two kids. I mean, I can only be gone for so long before I yeah. need to get back to work or to my kids. Yep. Um, so I, if I go out, I normally try to go five to 10 miles. Gotcha. Nothing, nothing terribly crazy. I, I got into, I never really got, got into biking, but remember the craze with Lance Armstrong and like yeah. when he was one in the Tour de France, yeah. everyone was like biking and like thing yep. and they had the little wristbands. Lift strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Eric, the bike shop salesman through the roof. I believe that. that. Yeah. You remember Eric? I don't even yep. know if he's still around anymore. But Eric, the bike man? Yeah. Right, yeah, Eric the, yeah. the high pitch voice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, they couldn't keep the Livestrong in, 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 yeah. in stock. It was right. like, it was selling like crazy. It was huge. And then he had his fall from grace, clearly. Lance Armstrong. <laughs> the, what was it? The steroids? Yeah. Thing? What, what yeah. happened to Lance? It was the, that he was caught ster- using steroids and cheating to win, basically, right? And then there was Wait, the, was it uh, the steroids that were helping him to cheat to win? Or was he like like moving down the trail when people were... I don't... I, th- I think it was the steroids that he got busted using in the Netflix documentary <sighs> Icarus. Mm. I mean, the guy had cancer. What else? What do you... I don't well, know. Here, that, right. I have a very weird take with the whole steroid thing. I'm like, whether it be baseball, this, I'm like, just because you take steroid doesn't automatically make you good at cycling or hitting sure. the ball <laughs> or right. eye, hand-to-eye coordination or anything like that. Right. Yeah, it helps you with power, but you still have to work out. It's not like you can just sit not on the trained. couch, right. Right. take steroids, and then look like He-Man. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, you still got to do the work. You still got to do the work. Yeah. Exactly. That's why everyone, yeah. I always tell uh, Julian about Liver King, and he's like, oh, he, he takes steroids. I'm like, he still does the work, even though he does. Well, he, he sure. But, okay, I, I if you come out and say, hey, I take steroids, I got nothing against that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you lied about taking steroids. Right. Yeah, yeah. And he lied Same multiple, multiple right. times right. about it. That's <laughs> where I'm like, all right, bro, come on now. And in baseball, it's, you look at all of those athletes were training, but then you look at, Barry Bonds, Mark, Mark McGuire. McGuire. Sammy Sosa. <laughs> like, wow, yeah, that guy's twice as big. That dude, as Mark McGuire, had uh, the lockjaw of a pit bull. <laughs> See that guy? Sammy Sosa is as white as, like, our table, our, our weekly. Yeah, day. I don't know. Maybe the, the steroids mess with his brain or something <laughs> yeah. like that. But I don't know. Sammy Sosa looks like, like he, he looks got like hit. a ghost. Yeah, yeah, like a ghost, literally. Yeah, literally. Yeah. The He's ghost of Sammy Sosa. <laughs> And I, oh my God, when they had that little race, I, I love that. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. That was the best like time of baseball. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That was the peak baseball. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Bring back steroids <laughs> in baseball. Yeah, that I was, yeah, that was the only I, time I was interested in baseball. I would, I, if I was a commissioner, I'd go there myself and juice them up. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Hey, whatever to bring back the viewers. There you go. Okay. Um, yeah, I think uh, Julian touched on this, but I felt like it was an outlet for you to kind of relieve stress in, in this industry of ours, right? Sure. Um, whether, you know, we like to work out, Julian likes to play basketball, I like to play flag football, um, biking. So it's just that thing where it can kind of just relieve some stress. Like you said, go out there, no phone. Right. Just be in the outdoors and forget about, you know, all the crazy deals or <laughs> right the fires or whatever the case may be and even you know thinking about like flag football and basketball like not that i am in races or anything like that but there are times where i'm like i want to go a little fast to kind of get that not necessarily competitive juice but like you want to push yourself yeah push myself yeah. a little yeah. bit in a way that's not work you know yeah. what i mean yeah. like every day we push ourselves at work and so it's nice to have some kind of uh disconnect where i can still push myself that is not um, as consequential as work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. And everyone needs that. Yeah. In some form it, of outlet. Yeah. You, know? you need an outlet. Right. For sure. For sure. Hobbies. I remember <laughs> Gordon used to make beats and I used to tell him his beats were trash. But <laughs> was he using like Fruity Loops or something like that? <laughs> he, would, he had the whole setup, like the mic and everything. He's like, get on. We're going to make a mixtape. Yeah. I was like, no. Everyone but had he, their days of no. making beats. I yeah. used to make yeah. beats yeah. back yeah. in the day and I thought they were yep. nice, but they were trash. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. His beats have gotten way better. So oh, he's, he's still doing it. He still does it. It's uh, a hobby for him, and it's something nice. like an outlet. So it's a creative outlet he does. So I, I remember he did send me a couple of beats, and I'm like, actually, these are pretty good. Uh, <laughs> I'll should, never tell him that though. We should. Well, it's on air now, but we should. <laughs> he, he, he won't see this. <laughs> we should use one of his beats. Yeah. For the like the intro, yeah. If he uh, if he doesn't charge us an arm, and like <laughs> we'll see. Play it, play it, Goran. Come on, man. Goran looking for royalties. Out of us. Come on. He's gonna hit us with that copyright ban yeah. on YouTube. <laughs> um, okay, so kind of moving on to our next subjects, a subject that resonates with all of us, right? Um, first, before we even get into the subject, Brad, show us what sneakers you have on today. Ooh. Should I take if, it off? I, yeah, I think that would All be right. the easiest way. Well, I have on my uh, my Jordan. Show it to that camera. Yeah, the uh, camera that's angled towards you. You guys wear your cool shoes today too. I got on Julian my cool did. Grace. I, I have my uh, my Jordan Five. Hey, uh, Laney edition. Laney High School is where Michael Jordan went to high school. Um, yeah, I don't even know. I just grew up in the 90s, and it's like, how do you not get into Jordan shoes if you grew up in the 90s? Yeah, yeah, same. Um, but I got them in Bell Blue is kind of what I was thinking when I purchased these. And there goes Julian's. Julian, can you, uh, what? what The people know. The, pe- <laughs> <laughs> the, pe- the people know. Come on now. It's okay, a cool for the people 11s. who don't know. <laughs> this, is, this is a retro Cool Grays 11s. This is my favorite, favorite Jordan. I, it's sure. just the most comfortable. Yeah. To me, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and then these always come out around, uh, not this actual one, but uh, the 11s always come out around Christmas time or sure. December, mm-hmm. you know. That's when I remember getting Now it's, it, there's so many uh, Jordans that's being released nowadays. Right. That, you know, this could, he could, he releases a different colorway, like, I don't know, like every month, you know, in, in each, in each S- retro. Speaking of Jordan, there's a movie coming out called Air. Yep. About Air Jordans. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Matt Damon, and it has ben Matt, Affleck, right? Yeah, Matt yeah. Damon, Ben Affleck. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a weird. Uh, is one s- of them supposed to be Phil Knight? Like, I don't get I it. I think they're supposed to be the people, not Phil Knight, but like one of them is like the Jordan's agent and one of them is the rep from Nike trying to pitch the agent. Because I think it was oh. Reebok. Let's forget if Reebok was. Reebok. Reebok was Reebok with Jordan or LeBron. One of them. Jordan or LeBron was going to go with Reebok originally, and then uh, Nike came in. Oh, oh, no, no, I think I, Reebok, Reebok offered LeBron a deal, and Adidas did. Okay. But Nike gave him the, the rookie deal, the $94 million, and he went, I, he went with Nike. Yeah, I think no. he made the right call. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, it's a billion now. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. They gave him the billion-dollar contract, but, I mean, just coming right out of high school, yeah. 94 mil, I think his, his rookie contract was $5 million. So he was already a 100 mil yeah. up. Do you guys in. wear LeBrons or just Jordans? Or I had one. I can't remember which pair of LeBrons it was, but I mostly wore them just to play basketball. Okay. Um, I, can only I wish say. I would have held on to them a little bit yeah. cleaner than I did. I only liked <laughs> I, one. I, I collect LeBrons. Do you? Um, I got my favorites are his seven, eights, nines. And tens after eleven, I'm like, Ooh. and which I one's the Miami? Yeah, 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 yeah. Which yeah. one is the South Beach one with like the South Beach colors? That was my favorite. Oh, I think that was the nines. Nines are the eights. I do have his seven. His seven media days. Those were really nice. They were the nines. The nines. Yeah, yep. yeah, 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 yeah. So I have the the seven media days that like it has the L.A. Laker colors. Okay. Oh, okay. So those are really nice. He released those like two, two or three seasons ago. Sure. Do you so, know what he wore for his record breaking? No, I didn't. I, I think he. I think I saw, he, I saw he, he brought the headband back. Yeah, he brought the headband back, but I think he had like this year's okay. uh, shoes that he he dropped. How'd you come to like love sneakers and the whole like sneaker head culture? You know, mostly was just I think growing up in the '90s. Like I think people who weren't old enough in the '90s can't even understand how big the NBA with Michael Jordan in it was. Yeah. Like yeah. it was bigger than football. It was. Yeah. Like, it was global. It was insane. Um, the Space Jams, yeah. Or yeah. And I, yeah. the first shoes that I got were the first Jordans that I got was in, um, I think I was in fourth or fifth grade, and it was the Jordan Seven, um, the Bugs Bunny one. I forget what they're uh, called. I can't even remember what they're called. Uh, but I just remember like loving that shoe and just kind of I, the '90s was just such a weird time. It was like yeah. 
if you know, you know, you kind know, of yeah, a thing, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, you know, being six foot, well, now six foot three, I've always been tall. So basketball was kind of my sport, tall and lanky. I wasn't going to play hockey or football. I'd get crushed. Um, so it was always just kind of basketball. And I just kind of gravitated towards Jordan like everybody else. What's your favorite Jordan? You know, one that I've never owned is probably the the Concord 11s. Um, Concord's is a good one, yeah. But otherwise, I'd probably say on my feet the most comfortable are probably the threes. I'd probably say like a black cement three. Or the, I love kind of a uh, the Tinker threes. I really like. They're kind of, uh, you know, some people loved them. Some people hated them. Um, but I've always just thought the threes are really comfortable on my feet for sure. Yeah, I was, uh, I was too poor to have Jordans. I had shacks. <laughs> yeah, I I see again. I didn't start collecting Jordans until I I became an adult. Yeah, <laughs> had my own money. Yeah, yeah I remember my yeah. mom was yeah. like, "Yo, these shoes are way too much. We're gonna get you Shacks." I had Shacks, Latrell Sprewells. Remember the spinners? The, 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 the yeah, yeah, the, yeah, where you pumped it and yeah. thing. I even had one pair of KGs. So, ooh, everyone, the Nikes or the Adidas KGs. I th- think the adidas kg okay. if i remember correctly but sure. everything I, but jordans see i had the filas uh for a couple of days i got a quick story to tell you so my mom bought me some filas because it was just like a popular thing you know yep. the one with the strap on there yeah. Right? oh yeah oh yeah so i go i go to the park with some of my boys and this is in battle creek you know the battle yep. creek by the elementary it's a big big park so yep. back in that day there used to be like 50 to 60 people that come up there and play basketball right yep i seen one dude step on the court and they were like this dude got on the uh forever island I love Atlanta's. He got the filas on and just got crushed. Like everyone was laughing at him. Like, oh my. And I was like, dang, I got on some forever. I love Atlanta's. <laughs> I went home. <laughs> it took him all so Just fast. snuck out of there as fast as he could. But that, I mean, think about that. Like, man. They were that, a great shoe back yeah. in the day. <laughs> What's that bad of a shoe? Man, kids can be ruthless. <laughs> I don't know. It's like that. That's like internet roasting before the internet. Yeah. Like, yeah. hey, you're getting cooked in real life now. <laughs> no, yeah, and it, and it hurts. <laughs> it hurts way more. Trust me. And the internet, you can just click and yeah. go. Yeah, right. There, they're just roasting yeah. you. You and got a like, long walk home. You got a long walk. Oh home. man, he, he did too. He, I, you know, the next day I see him, he didn't have on those shoes. I uh, okay. I want to kind of get this question out, right? Because I, I always, I've always thought about this, and me and Julian have talked about this. What's your take on sneakers being perceived as quote unquote more streetwear and not professional? Do you feel there's like that stigma or is it changing with the younger generation? Do you feel like you could walk into a a, a mortgage meeting or a client with your Jordans? Um, I think I would have to, it would depend on the client. Mm-hmm. Like I do keep these Jordans in my office. I wear them around my office when I'm feeling good. But if I go to a meeting, typically I change yeah. into more work shoe. Yeah. Um, but it it kind of depends. Like sometimes when we go out to certain meetings, like Bell has a relationship with certain local athletes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we'll go out to things and they'll be there kind of mingling around and they pull off the cool shoes. And I'm like, man, I don't. I don't know if I have the confidence or the swagger to do that, you know? Yeah, it depends on the person. Yeah, Yeah, to me, I don't, like, I I just don't, I'm like, I think that they're cool, and I feel like the younger generation doesn't care as much. Like, I always look at, like, someone like Jerry Seinfeld, and he has, like, a bunch of sneakers on and stuff like that, and I'm like, okay. But I could see where, you know, there's that stigma or, or whatever, maybe the older generation or something like that. But even then, it's like, I think we're assuming Sure. Because uh, they could be big Jordan fans. So right? can I can I tell one really cool story yeah, about Jordan? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So a couple of years ago for charity, we did a Jordan shoe giveaway. Um, and we, we basically got a pair of Jordan 6 infrared, black infrareds. Um, and we did a thing on social media to give them away along with some money that we got from, uh, from my employer, from Bell. Um, but what start what caused this whole thing is I was in Edina at Shake Shack, uh, excuse me, Shake Shack, um, and it was like just before COVID or some 2017, maybe, I don't know. Um, and I was waiting in line because the Shake Shack had just opened. Yep. And there was a gentleman next to me and I looked down at his shoes and he had the Jordan 3 black cement on. And I'm like, wow, hey, you know, cool. Sh-. And he, this guy was probably in his 50s. He was mm-hmm. older than me for sure. Yep. Um, and I'm like, whoa, hey, cool shoes. I saw those came out, you yeah. know, a couple of days ago or whatever. And he's like, thank you so much. Started talking to me. Um, and he had moved here from India like a, a couple of years back, but he's like, man, in the nineties, like 
we would go to the store to get VHS tapes of mm-hmm. Jordan playing, you know, from four years before. Um, and he's just like, I always love Jordans. Always, always finally, you know, was able to get a pair because yeah, so you can't always get a pair, even if you can, yeah. you know, yeah. sometimes you miss out. Um, and it, I just remember like walking away, like I just had this conversation with somebody 12 years older than me from across the world. And we both have the same, you know, nostalgic feeling about Michael Jordan and the shoes that he wore. And I was like, yeah, it's just kind of a cool, it's just cool a connection, thing. connection to make. Like, yeah. even if you don't even know the person, you see him like, oh, man, I, I like your Jordans and you actually know what Jordan it is. Right. They were like, oh, man, no yes. one's ever like, get away from me. Yes. <laughs> the, dude, the look on his face when I put yeah. it, I mean, he turned around like. He couldn't wait to tell me to about talk about his it. New Jordans he just yep. got like two days ago. Yeah, he's proud of those Jordans. Yes. And I just always remember that guy. I should have got his name and stayed in touch with him, but I just always remember that interaction at Shake. Yeah, my first, Shout out Shake yeah. Shaky My first pair was the six infrared sixes. Really? They're, they're my favorites yeah. too. The it's sixes are my favorites. Yeah. It's a good shoe for sure. Yeah, Michael, I mean, he, uh, I guess the greatest. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. Le- LeBron's the greatest to me, but We've gotta save that for another podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that that that's barbershop the talk. Debate. Yeah, that's barbershop talk. Uh, I'm gonna go with say Michael's still the greatest with the rings, but you know LeBron is of course great in himself. Um, all right, Brad. Now I kind of want to get into the mortgage side, sure. uh, the lending side. You know, you are with Bell Bank Mortgage. Yep. Uh, you were with Wells Fargo for a little while. How did that progression come from the K Jewelers into, you know, the mortgage world? How how did you become interested? I know you touched on it a little bit earlier that, you know, Gorn kind of piqued your interest in regards to real estate. Yeah. Um, but one, how did you start with Wells? And then how did you find yourself at Bell? Because it, you really feel like you found yourself yeah. at the perfect place with Bell. Yeah, for sure. So uh, when I worked at the jewelry store, I at that time I'd read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I'd talked to Goran. Um, I knew I wanted to own a property and, and try at some point to invest in property. <clears throat> and one of my regular customers at the jewelry store was actually a loan officer with Wells Fargo. She, I, I don't think she's with Wells, maybe not even in the industry anymore. Um, and she one day pulled me aside and said, Brad, I can tell that you know, you're good at sales, you're personable, but I could tell that you just don't have a passion for what you're selling. Um, and she asked me kind of like, if you could sell anything in the world, what would it be? And I was like, well, like, I kind of like houses. And she was like, what about a realtor? And I was like, oh, I don't know. And then she was like, well, here's what I do and, and started telling me about it. And I was like, well, that's kind of cool. At the time, I had um, we had just bought our first house or we're just going to buy our first home, just gotten married. Um, and so the thought of getting into something straight commission at that time, mid to early 20s, um, was a bit scary. Um, and so she just connected me with somebody at Wells to kind of learn the ropes. I was just a personal banker for a year. Then I shadowed under a gentleman named Jeff Shore at Wells, who's like one of the top guys at Wells, if not the top guy in Minnesota. Um, and then I worked there, did five years hard time at Wells. (laughs) Um, And I mean, it was a great company. I learned a ton. You kind of get thrown into the meat grinder there, which was perfect for a guy like me. I learned more hands-on than I do reading from a book. Um, But then, you know, at a certain point, you kind of realize at a company that large that you are a bit more of a number. Yep. Um, And I kind of thought, all right, well, I've I've got myself established. I've got my feet under me. Like now is sort of the time where I could try to make my next move, my best move kind of a thing. Mm. Um, and I really just started interviewing realtors. I knew title companies. I knew just like, who's the best company? Who do you have the fewest problems with? Who gets the closing package out right away? Um, and it was really between Bell and Dolores at that point. Um, and one other uh, called Cherry Creek Mortgage, who they were, did they go under? Are they still around? I I don't think they're still around anymore. They're more of a smaller kind of a broker shop, um, which I, I talked to them and wasn't really interested after an initial meeting. Um, then I met with at the time, my manager, Keenan Raverty at, uh, at Bell. Um, and it was just like a totally different process than anywhere else I'd been. Um, and honestly, when I interviewed with them, I was like, wow, I have no shot at ever working at this place (laughs) like it just sounds like they hire really experienced people um have a high bar for entry um and that kind of got me more interested like I was more like I gotta follow up with this Keenan guy like now I'm 
being that I feel like I can't get there, I want to get there. You know, it's like yeah. it's like if there's a party going on that you weren't invited to, yeah. like, I want to go there. Yeah, this is the company you want to align yourself yeah. with. Yeah, exactly. It's a challenge um, similar to the biking challenge. Correct. Yep, correct. And so that's what I did. I kind of stayed in front of him. Um, and yeah, kind of here I am. The rest is history. No, that's that's awesome. And you know, we love working with Bell and and they've gotten bigger over the years. They've oh, yeah. acquired uh, a few other uh smaller banks and yep. other mortgage lenders. Yep. Um and they they have great programs. Yeah, we have a lot of I mean the whole wide range from down payment assistance, low low down payment all the way up to jumbo financing, investor financing, new construction financing. Um just about anything. I think we have a product to uh, to finance it for sure. Yeah, no, I, I I would say you know, I think the thing is with the the mortgage financing, it's it's not the sexiest topic for people, right? But it is a, a very necessary topic for people, right? And a sure. lot of people have these, um, I guess, like misconceptions in our industry. Um, and I just kind of want to get your take, you know, maybe we can try to dispel some stigma or misconceptions in our industry, right? I love it. Uh, the, the 20% one sure. or, or other things where people just don't know what they don't know because I know, so I, we grew up in Cedar Riverside and I thought like the home ownership was like for super rich people sure. and like we would never own a home and it's just like. That and and kind of taking it back to Gorn, he helped me purchase my first home and everything he did. And I was just like, how at, at the age of 21? Can you kind of just talk about this generation or, you know, the 90s generation or the, what is it, Gen Z, Gen Y? Gen, I don't even yeah, know anymore. Gen Z. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah. can you, if they were listening right now or watching, how do you tell them like, hey, Home ownership is for sure a pos- are, uh, ab- you are for sure able to do it. It is not something where it's some high pie in the sky type thing. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people have to have a realization similar to you. I think a lot of young people, um, it's hard to project sort of beyond a month or two when you're young. Yeah. Um, and so there is a lot of pessimism around home ownership for young people, certainly right now. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of it is, is remembering that all generations have gone through the housing cycle, which is really all that it is, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, interest rates were historically low and then home prices go up and, you know, same thing people talking about their parents who bought a home for $20,000. Interest rate was probably 20%. So, each market has its opportunities and its pitfalls, but there's always an option to get into the home. And I think that's the biggest hurdle for people is um, almost accepting that, like accepting the fact that, hey, there is a way for you to get into a property. Um, We may need to build your credit. We may need to save up a little bit for down payment. Uh, We may need to stabilize your income or whatever that is however that is but if you want to buy a home we can do it don't let anybody tell you that home ownership is some impossible task because it's not um but i do understand and empathize with anybody who's younger or who's gone through some financial instability or turbulence um i certainly empathize with them and understand that um it does on the surface appear to be sort of a tall task right i get that Um, so really I just try to coach people, hold their hands, show them numbers. Um, but I think the big thing is just sort of just empathizing with people like, Hey, I get it. I was in your shoes at some point. I didn't think I could buy a property. I own a property. I own a rental property. I own a short term property now. Um, we just got to take a shot and get our foot in the door. And once your foot's in the door, and showing them it options. becomes easier than that. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Showing them options. I think, for I sure. think it's like um, the credit score thing too with young people, right? A lot of young people like the whole, like when you're going through school, you don't know about credit right. score. Right. You don't know, hey, how do I save for a down payment? The easiest thing is like, well, here's first month's rent and security deposit. Yeah. Right. That's super simple. There's two things and you're in. Yep. Whereas in this, you're like, well, do you have some savings? You know, 
What do you have for your credit score? Do you have a, like you said, a stable income? I just wish more schools or would teach about that, especially credit score. I think, you know, you know how important credit here yeah. is yep. in, in, in America or in any Western first world country. Right. How important to have a good credit. And a lot of people, that's the pitfalls they've fallen. Right. Um, and uh, would you say that's kind of the most biggest thing when people come to you is helping them with their credit? And if I came to you right now and I said, hey, Brad, but my credit was a little bit lower. What are some coachable actions you can give me right now? Sure. So one, I would say, yes, credit is probably the hardest part, especially for first time home buyers. Yep. You know, it's they kind of get hit with the double whammy of being on their own insurance the first time. So the two things we see credit wise with younger people are probably medical expenses um, that they've lost track of, haven't paid, you know, whatever. Um, or people that just come out and they're like, man, college came up. I bought, yeah. I got my first credit card. I was going to the bar all the time. I was buying books and it just kind of got away from me. Totally get it. Books and bars. <laughs> yeah, books and bars. Um, in terms of, of helping people with credit, I'm not a, a credit consultant mm. or anything. Um, so it's more just what I've read and what I've experienced. Um, one, there's some good programs right now that are helping people. Experian Boost is phenomenal mm -hmm. um, if you want to Google that. Um, otherwise, I just tell people the main thing is just to slow down with credit. You know, yeah, if yeah. you did do that card and you went crazy at bars and, and buying books, great. You've kind of solved the problem or you've identified the problem. Um, so now let's take a step back. Let's not go to the bar and buy books as much. Um, let's not apply for any new debt. That's a big one that really hurts people's credit is they'll, they'll hear, well, I have to have, you know, four to five trade lines and they'll go to the mall and they'll get a Nordstrom's card, you know, Best Buy card, everything thinking that that will help their credit, which it's not. isn't really the case. Yeah. And that's where I always tell people, Hey, the main thing we need to do here is just slow down, um, not take out any more debt, make sure we can handle the debt that we currently have. Mm -hmm. And then it just kind of, it does its own thing. Yeah, it does its yeah, own thing. It gets pretty yeah. easy, really. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm at the bars reading the books, Brad. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Me too. <laughs> oh, man, they're reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. Yeah. But, and that's, you know, to your point about there's not a lot of uh, educational opportunities for finance. A lot of it kind of is on that individual, unfortunately, Yeah. Um, with books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Correct, and it's financial literacy. And I, sure. and I think the, the young generation really, really, really needs to learn financial literacy. And that's why I'm kind of happy in regards to some Instagram accounts, TikTok accounts, and the social media accounts that do really touch on that. Yeah. Now, obviously, those aren't as big as the entertainment accounts or right. the, the humor accounts and stuff like that, but I... I I do hope more and more people start to see that. Sure. Um, Just got to start pointing on TikTok. 30% utilization yeah, yeah, on your yeah, credit card. Yeah. <laughs> do this, um, not that. Yeah. Put I think the one on best tip I ever learned about credit is like, it really doesn't matter how much you spend. You could literally Correct. buy a candy bar and pay that off every month. Correct. Uh, and what I used to do when I was younger to get into my first house, I would just buy my gas every month, yep. just use my credit card for my gas and I would pay it off at the end of the month. And, and my credit within three months jumped up. Yeah. Incredibly. I tell people all the time, buy, even if just do one tank of gas a yep. month and yep. pay it off. Not even every yep. tank, just one. Yeah. Brad's my personal lender, by the way. There you go. Thanks for the plug. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, we're going to now jump into the Q&A portion of the podcast. Uh, so this is all the questions sent by you wonderful folks. Thank you so thank much. Thank you for sending these yes, questions. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for yeah. taking the time to send those in. So we'll kind of get into it. And so the first question we had was, uh, should a first-time investor use hard money in this market where we are in now? Oh, man. Um it's a little bit subjective. I think yeah. it sort of depends on where they are um, and, again, how much financial education they have. Correct. I was going to say who yeah. is, is this person. Right. right. You know, hard money is good for what it does, um, but I don't think it's good for every person or maybe even every property. Yeah. Um, it is certainly a little bit more costly, which can become a little bit more risky. Yeah. Um, that being said, I think there's a lot of people out there who are very good at what they do, no matter what it is, um, and are 
sort of self-starters and self-taught um, who can certainly make it work yeah. without a problem. I say uh, you can. It depends on the person. If you're very organized, very uh, go-getter, and you have things in order, um, you're good at budgeting, yeah, and you know you're staying on top of the property because I'm guessing uh, when they say a hard money, it's mainly for a flip. Like, yeah, it's it, not yeah. long term; it's a yeah, short term. Right. So right. I don't, I don't know too many people that get hard money for buy and holds. They kind of get them more for flips. Yeah, yeah, traditionally for sure. Some yeah. people will kind of during the process, depending on where the market is, may yeah. say, "Hey." you know, Brad, we want to refinance into a 30 year fixed rate because this will become a rental plans yep. and, and situations have changed. But traditionally, for sure, it's more for flip properties. Yep. And so it, it that that question wholly depends on the person, I think, you know, yeah. some people, I would probably say no. So, um, okay. This one is a, a funny one. Someone sent me, uh, even if rates go down, how will people afford homes when eggs are more expensive than a gallon of gas? I guess what? you just got to stop eating eggs. Right? <laughs> I can't. I can't, Brad. I, yeah. I have, I swear to God, I have three eggs every morning and it is, it is hurting me. How many <laughs> eggs did this per, does this person eat? Like, no, but you know, like I think, I think uh, you know, behind the humor of this question, it does bring up a very good, sure. Yeah. Uh, very good point because, you know, things are going up um, where for the most part, uh, salaries and income have stagnated, uh, whereas in uh, other things have started to inflate at, right. a, at a crazy rate. Right. Um, you know, gas being one of them, eggs being another, or other things, rent, crazy. Yeah. Um, the cost of, I mean, even homeowner's of, insurance has yeah, gone, up gone up because yep. the cost of goods to, to fix things, um, that has certainly put it, you know, put a crunch on people when they're looking at housing payments, um, which wouldn't even have thought of yeah. a couple of years yeah. ago, you know? My answer to this is you're going to have to live somewhere regardless, Correct. right? And either you're going to be paying rent, you're going to be living with your parents or, you know, in, some type of roommate type situation. In the basement or upstairs. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Next to them. Yep. Or at home. And in those three yep. situations, the best... I wouldn't say the cheapest because, you know, obviously living with your parents is, is cheaper, but sure. you, the most headaches is probably that. Yeah. You have zero privacy. Yeah, right. yeah. Right. Um, and They're buying renting. the eggs, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure, they are buying the eggs. <laughs> right. Um, I think between the renting and home, home owner, uh, ownership is, it's much more affordable to own a home. I mean, I've, yeah. I've rented, I've owned a home, and owning the home beats renting all the time. Yeah. And I'm not even taking the equity thing into consideration. Right, right. So w what's your kind of take on that in regards to the, the renting versus the buying? Because we do obviously have a little bit bias, but I still think unless you have some plans to move immediately. Sure. The, I don't see how it could beat it. I always tell people this. Pride of homeownership is undefeated. Yeah. Period. Yes. When I get a first-time home buyer into a home, doesn't matter if it's down payment assistance, twenty percent down, whatever. When they come back to me for their next property, it's like talking to a totally different person. Yeah. yeah. Like, hey, Brad, how are you, man? This is what happened since I bought my house. I've gotten two promotions. I got married. I had two yep. kids. Now I just want to get in the school district that I was going to be in. Yeah. Um, and I always kind of bring it back to like, oh, that's so, you know, that's so awesome. Congratulations. You remember like when, when you and I were first going through your first house yeah. and those, man, same thing. Like, man, I can't even believe I did it, you know, working yeah. at Maplewood Mall or wherever yeah. it was. Yeah. Like, I can't believe I made it work while I was working at X job. Um, I was single or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it just seems man or woman, like, that pride of home ownership, having that housing stability, knowing where you're going home every night, knowing you don't need to pack up and move every 12 months. The landlord's not there, like knocking on the door, yeah. paying the rent. Yeah, <laughs> you can have, you know, you can have friends over. You can entertain. Like it's, it's yours. It changes people. Yeah. It will. It legitimately will change your life if you buy a home 
and you take pride in that. Yes. Home. Quick, quick story. Obviously, you know, immigrant, first generation immigrant, yeah. lived in Cedar Riverside apartments. Like home ownership to me was like the ultimate American dream. You know, the whole yeah. house, white picket fence, yep. dog, blah, blah, blah. Like I was like, man, if I can get a home and you're right, but the natural progression has always tend to be upwards. With, yes. Once Your home life trajectory will drastically change. Okay. Um, best way to buy a condo slash penthouse in St. Paul. Um, Use Brad Nolan. <laughs> yeah. Use Brad Step for your one. own. Yeah. Use me and Julian as your agents. Sure. Yeah, that's that's where you go. Um, yeah. No, I think uh, buying a condo or penthouse, I think the one uh, thing we would say is look on, at the HOA. Yeah. Please. That's the yeah. biggest thing. Look yes. at the HOA. Homeowners Association. Yes. Can you, can you live with their rules? Can you live with their payments? Can you live with all of that stuff? I mm-hmm. would always tell people, if you're going to buy anything with an HOA, look into the HOA. Yeah. Yep. Very detailed. Their financials, their rules, their regulations, who's running on the board, everything like that. Like, I can't stress that enough. My first home was a townhouse, and they wouldn't let us do Halloween decorations or this or that. I constantly got into it with them because my grandpa would park right in front of my house and be like, yeah. we have designated parking areas. <laughs> I'm like, he's an old man with a walking cane. Yeah. In the winter, yeah. when you guys don't even... Um, salt the ice. You want him to walk like fifty feet, right? Yeah, yeah. It, so. it, it depends on your lifestyle too. You correct, know, if you, correct. If you right. like the city living, living in downtown St. Paul or Minneapolis, mm-hmm. um, I, the people we our office is downtown St. Paul, and I don't see children ro- walking around here. Correct. I see like young or even old professional looking people that live in these condos. You right. know, so I don't see a lot of families right. down here. Whereas if you're living in the the suburbs or just like the Matt Grove, just Matt Grove Highland area, you see more families. Yeah, yeah. sure. You know, sure. So that's another thing too. Just think about the situation that you're in. You know, if you get with someone and you guys plan on getting married and having kids within in two to three years, and probably kind of ain't for you. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know. Yep. Um, another one we had uh, minimum credit score for DPA programs, zero down options. I mean. MHFA thousand down and details on physician loans. So there's kind of a bunch of kind of uh, in there. I think I really like the zero down option. Like, is that even uh, a possibility? And what is that like? Uh, yes, it's kind of a combination of a couple things. First mortgage, second mortgage, mm-hmm. a little bit of seller paid closing costs in there. To your point, we usually need a minimum of of a thousand dollars, so the earnest money. Yep. Um, from the buyer in. One good thing I always tell people is if they're a renter and they haven't damaged their property, that $1,000 will be coming back to them in the form of their security deposit refund, mm-hmm. um, which to them is sort of a nice little way to get it pretty darn close to uh, to zero down for sure. Which is crazy because remember earlier we we're like 20% down myth. Right. 20% down to zero down. Right, <laughs> right. So there is program, so do not be discouraged. If you are listening or watching to this, please reach out. There is a program for you. There's grants. There's down payment assistance. There's so much stuff out there. And it, you can it's go crazy. down payment assistance. I mean, typically you can still go to the low 600s with those programs. Yeah. So don't think that um, some minor credit challenges would kind of disqualify you yep. from those programs. Yes. So, so what would you say like a, a 620 to qualify for down payment assistance? 620 for certain programs. If you can get above 640, that will really open quite You're a in the sweet spot? Yep, for okay. sure. Do you know sure. of any local ones here? Uh, uh, like mid- just in St. Paul or Dakota Typic- County? Typically, I will just pre-qualify using Minnesota housing just because that okay. doesn't restrict them just to St. Paul or Ramsey County. They can kind of use the entire 11 County Metro. Okay. Um, but there's all sorts of niche programs in Dakota County, you know, cities, mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff. For okay. Sure. Perfect. Yes. Um, this one was a very, you know, hot topic one. Um, how do you solve racial disparities in housing? And it's such a, such like, Obviously, we're not going to solve it <laughs> with this podcast sure. and everything like that. But <laughs> it's a it's a good question to have. It's a great question. Yeah, there is a huge disparity. Huge, yes. huge. I mean, I I believe Minnesota has the biggest in the nation. We do. Yes. Mistaken. Yeah, yes. which is crazy. Which yeah. is absolutely it is nuts. crazy. Um, you know, I I'm probably not a smart enough person to solve this problem, but yeah. I am a believer that ninety percent of 
problems in society can be solved just through education. And I think that's where a lot of these um, communities, minorities, low income areas just haven't nobody's gone to educate them. You know yes. what I mean? Like nobody's kind of gone to say, hey, have you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Or can we get a program in the schools for these things? Yes. Um, I don't, I'm again, I'm not smart enough. I don't know why that hasn't happened. Yes. Um, but it's certainly a problem. And when, like when I hear, hey, we have the largest housing disparity in the United States, I would say, well, that probably makes our housing market semi-vulnerable, I would think. Mm-hmm. I mean, all things in life, to me, require some form of, of balance or mixture. Um, and so when I hear that, to me, I'm kind of like, that, I think, leaves our market a little bit vulnerable, I think. For sure. I mean, surprise, we're diverse. <laughs> yeah, surprise. If, yeah. if you guys didn't know already. If you guys didn't know yeah. already. And, and, and I, I agree with you, Brad, that it is a lack of education because... Back when I was younger and I didn't know, I, I like I said earlier, I thought it was the hardest thing. I right. thought it was basically impossible. You right. had to be, your name had to be Max Powers. You had to be making a million. Like yeah. it was some like just far off yeah, dream yeah, or, a lot of money. or like I thought it was a very generational thing, right? Like these people bought so long ago, they passed it off to their kids right. and their kids and it just went on. Yep. And I just never thought about it that way. But you are so right in regards to once you have the home ownership, your trajectory for the most part is upwards. Unless, you know, obviously you do some crazy stuff. But it's it's a huge, huge anchor in life yeah. for you to then go off to do other things. Right. So hopefully, um, you know, there's more programs and more education around this. And hopefully we can kind of start to teach people and, and maybe, who knows, maybe with this podcast will help sure. at least one person. And I mean, one thing I would say is sort of like, shame on me. You know, here I am saying, well, we need to educate more. And it's like, I could look in the mirror. I probably haven't gone out and educated enough yeah. people. Um, and so certainly shame on me. I think all of us in real estate could probably for sure um, use some coming together to, to find same, a way to same. solve I think, some of this. You know, same for me and Julian. I think that's the thing is we want to educate and that's the best way to sell is through education. Sure, sure. Um, what's the minimum credit score and down payment I need to buy a home? It kind of depends on everybody, but I would say the minimum um, for someone who qualifies would be either $1,000 or 1% down payment, assuming you qualify for one of those programs. Um, minimum credit score at Bell would be 600 um, certain other companies can probably go a little bit lower than that if they have different different uh, programs and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for us at Bell, we would have a kind of a, a limit at six hundred. Okay, and that's that's not a high like uh, a, a amount or threshold or anything. No. Sure. So a lot of people can hit that right now mm-hmm. that are not homeowners. And I would say we love talking to people who are not at six hundred yet. Because those are the people that we can take the time, we can educate, we can fix their credit. Even to get, you know, if you apply at 600, that's great. If we can get your credit up to 650, 700, mm-hmm. you know, the terms of that mortgage will only improve, making your, you know, home ownership experience that much better. For sure. So you can buy a house with a 600 credit score and $1,000 down. Or 1%. Or, yep. one, or 1%. Either one, depending on the program. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Wow. That's um, amazing. Okay, this question is now a good time to buy. Yes. I would say the right time to buy a home is always yesterday, I guess, is probably what most people say. Yep. Um, I mean, you look at the factors around around supply and demand, you know, especially when rates go up, they they build less homes. And it seems like that's kind of something that we're experiencing right now. Feeling in the new construction market right now, for sure. And even, I mean, I think like, there's still so many people waiting on the fence or the sidelines for their opportunity to get in. You know, once that opportunity presents itself, they're, they're going to jump in. Yeah. Um, and so to me, I mean, even looking back at this market in 2008, we came down a little bit, but we weren't really pounded like Arizona, Florida, Las Vegas. Um, so our market has been pretty resilient. Um, but again, I just think, Going back to the trajectory of your life, um, the sooner you can start that trajectory in an upward motion is going to serve you pretty well. 
over your life. I was looking at it as decades, right? Even if there's periods where it does go down or things happen, every decade real estate has gone up and appreciated. Yes. Every single decade. You take out a decade, it has gone up. Yeah. So um, it's an appreciated, appreciating asset where you can get into a thousand dollars. Right. Potentially you can get it's the price of an iPhone. Right? Yeah, yeah. You can get into who knows, a quarter of a million, half of a million for an asset as low as, you know, three to five, whatever the percentage might be. So I don't know of any other asset like that where and then it can grow over ten years. You know, yeah. I think the first home we bought was one fifty in two thousand eleven. It was a detached town home. And in 2021, I think it was valued a little bit over like 375. Yeah. You name something yeah. that can appreciate like Jeez. that. I mean, we just helped um, a client of mine who used down payment assistance like five years ago, literally seller paid down payment, whole thing got in for a thousand dollars of their own money. They just rolled $150,000 of equity into their next property moving yep. up. And like, if that is a yeah. life changer. Yeah, Life changing. Big time. And, Big time. and if you live in the property, it's your primary residence, you don't get hit with capital gains tax Correct. either. Correct. So the you get to keep advantages. that money. Yeah. Yep. Okay, Brad, is it worth competing in a multiple offer situation? And, you know, we can answer this after you because I'm yeah, sure you don't. I know you write the pre approval sure. and everything, yep. but we deal with the, the multiple offers. You know, I think to a point, I think if there's something in life that you want, um, you should try to go get it. Yep. Um, but I don't think you should go get it if it is going to sacrifice something else that you have in your life. Yep. I wholeheartedly agree. I always tell all of my clients, please write an offer you are comfortable yeah. with. Right? Never get out of your own skin or your own uh, uh, comfortability. Ugh. <laughs> Never make yourself uncomfortable to just get this place. Yep. Write something where you're comfortable with, and if you get it, great. If you don't, you know, don't get too emotionally attached with it. Uh, Julian, do you want to kind of add something to that I, real quick? You know, I, I agree with that. Like, it, it's it's tough in that situation because buying a home, your first home, is very emotional. Yeah. Um, and you got to play the therapist role, too, as long as, like, being the professional in the situation. Yep. So I tell them that, hey, let's put our best foot forward, and if we get it, that's great. But if you don't, then you know that, hey, you know, they just beat me to it without me giving up my right hand to buy the house. Correct. Yeah. Yep. You no know? shame in yeah. losing no, that one. There's yeah. no shame. And yeah. then when I break it down to them like that, they're like, hey, you know what? You're right, because it's just anything else. Else, we just couldn't afford it. We just can't do it. And I don't want to be in that situation. Yep. Yeah. And and there's always going to be another house. Yeah. Like, always. Always. You, you always, the home you get is always the home you were meant to get. It's Correct. Not how I see it. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Okay. Uh, least part of, uh, least favorite part about buying or owning a home and favorite part of buying or owning a home. Everybody always hates the, the documentation, which I totally understand. Yeah. There's a lot of red tape in lending. We yeah. ask what for a lot of stuff. What are these papers you're showing me? <laughs> yeah. After 08, there is a lot. Yes. So you're telling me my dog, Airbud can't get that million-dollar mansion? <laughs> we, are not, we are not extending He's a professional basketball player, Brad. <laughs> um, so that's what I would say. The, the, the documentation, to me, I think it's understandable. We do need yes. to make sure there's not fraud. You know, unsavory yeah. things, things like that. We yeah. do need to verify that you are and you're doing what you say you're doing. Yep. Um, duffel bag full of cash. Duffel work. bag. <laughs> um, Proof of funds. Yeah. Duffel bag, boy. A whole bunch of money. Here we go. <laughs> but again, what I love about home ownership is just um, the pride of home ownership, um, stability. It just when you have that anchor in your yeah. community, it just yeah. may, it's one less thing to worry about. And it's probably the biggest thing that people do worry about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, 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 I love owning a home. I, just, I, yeah. I do. I, I love having neighbors and yeah. I love my kids having other friends yeah. in the neighborhood. I, I love owning a home. Yeah. I can't tell you the uh, amount of clients I've, you know, when they bought their home, like they just love fixing things around the house yeah. or mowing the lawn or like, just that type of stuff. They take pride in it. Yeah, like take great pride. Yep. So very like Hank Hill type of thing. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> just let me just mow my lawn and drink my beer in the alleyway. Yep. Okay. Um, <laughs> what are the tax benefits of owning a home? I, I, if you have a mortgage on it, obviously you can write off the interest. Yep. Um, depreciation is another thing. Um, if it's a rental property, other expenses. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, no I mean, capital we've kind of touched on the appreciation part too. Yeah, appreciation. it's such a cra- crazy thing because at one point you can write off depreciation, and then the other side, your asset is appreciated. Right, and that's just in the U.S. tax code because when you look at the other spending that buying a home initiates, it's crazy. I mean, it's like. When you buy a home, the next six months of your life, you're spending at Home Depot at places you've yeah. never furniture. shopped before. Yeah. Yep. Furniture. Um, so it's just a big um, driver driver of commerce, owning yeah. a home, buying a home. Yes, yes. Oh, I, you know, it's funny, Brad, that you bring that up. I remember when I was buying that home and Bell sends you that packet of like things you'll need. Yep. Where it's like home tools, a lawnmower, yep. a, either a shovel or a snowplower. And I just like would go through this list. I'm like, God, this is a lot of shit. Yeah, but you lot. know, I talked to all home homeowners about that. You know, when we when you yeah. talked about do you want to multiple offers or whatever, I always tell people like, don't forget there's things you haven't thought of that you yeah. will need to, you've thought of the couch and the TV and mm-hmm. the stuff in the kitchen, all that stuff, but you haven't thought about anything in the garage. The snowblower. Snowblower, rake, shovel, all, all that, that stuff. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. up quick. Outside patio, this, that. Yeah, it yeah. does. It does. Yeah. But again, you know, it's all worth it. Right. Honestly, Correct. It's all worth Correct. It. Correct. Okay. Um, the last question we have, and I think we touched a little bit about this earlier. Uh, what are the benefits of buying versus the benefits of renting? I think the one thing I would say the benefits of renting is if you're no, you're moving soon or you don't have stability, you know, job switching military type thing or this or that. Easy Um, to get out. Yeah. Renting. But to me, I'm like, even in that situation, you can buy if it's a great place and then rent out your home and someone else is paying your equity. Yeah. I think a lot of people with that, with that renting, they're like, oh, I don't want to deal with tenants and you know, that whole, well, you can get a property management company. Right. You know, and a lot of them mm-hmm. are under a hundred dollars a month. So, would you want to have someone else, a company, just deal with your rental, and then you just collect a check every month, or right. yeah, you want to? So, again, options. Right. People don't know what they don't know. Yeah. Let's yeah talk to Brad here, who you know stated that he has a rental, in a short term rental. What would what would you say? Um, so right now we have one long term and the short term, um, and we self manage both. Yeah. Um, I think if I had one more of either type of property, I probably would hand it off to a company. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, again, two little kids at home, I only have yeah. so much time. Yeah. Um, going on. But I do, especially with my kids, I do enjoy showing my kids me managing these property you know doing turnovers trying yeah. to find a tenant going over to fix little things like i love bringing yeah. my daughter along on stuff like that just to show her at an early age um both me working on this stuff but also just like this is how certain people live and that's just a different way to live and that's cool and that's okay yeah um so it just kind of gives her hopefully <laughs> um a more well-rounded um knowledge of real estate, home ownership, and a work ethic. Well, that's a that's a good thing to know that you're not a slumlord. Right. You know, yeah. You know, you're actually working on these properties. <laughs> Every time someone says the word knowledge, it, may, it makes me remind me of that Ty Lopez. Here in my garage with the Lamborghini. <laughs> knowledge. No, That's another uh, fraud. You mentioned the Liver King. Now you're on a roll with the frauds today. The famous frauds, I call them. <laughs> oh my God! No, I, I I wholeheartedly agree. In regards to the property management, I think it, yeah. it you have to have acquire a certain amount before it, it financially makes sense to mm-hmm. do property right. management. But I also tell people, yes, when you have just a few, you should run it so you know and learn, right? right? right. So when you do hand it off to a property management company. You know what they're talking about. You can kind of interject and say, hey, this or that, you know, hey, this is what I'm looking for in a tenant. Right. This is, you know, where I need uh, for them to pay rent and, uh, you know, other things like that in yeah. regards yeah. to uh, accounting as well, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. I think it just goes down to situation. Again, yes. You know, because right. I've had a client that kept her house, but now, well, since COVID, that you can work from home. So she took a job in Texas. Okay. Who's going to watch her house? Right. <laughs> and she doesn't right. want to sell it, you yeah. know? Yeah. Because yeah. if things go south with her rental or her job, then she can just move back move up back. here. So I was like, yeah, just get a property management company. She's like, yeah, I don't mind doing that. Right. Yeah. You yeah. Know? So, yeah. again, just situations, options, that's that's why we do what we do. Right. <laughs> we present right. value. Mm-hmm. Right. If you tend to get a better property, too, a more mm-hmm. turnkey, per se, property, you know, you will have less... Uh, 
tenant issues, yes. you will have less, you know, property issues and stuff like that. And you can kind of, for the most part, coast. I mean, uh, a client of mine bought a new construction townhouse in, in Brooklyn Park and I, and I helped him put a renter in there and it was a pilot. And I promise you, one, he's never there. And two, it's just like autopilot. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. pun intended, yeah. but yeah. it's just like, it just gets paid and thing and he loves it. Doesn't yeah. even think about yep. it. Yeah, Exactly. All right, guys, that brings us to the end of the podcast. We've had a wonderful time with our good friend here, Brad Nolan, and we're thankful for everyone that sent in a question. We hope we gave you an answer that suffices. Uh, If you want more information or details, please reach out to us. We'd be happy to help you in any way. Um, We appreciate everyone that listened and watched. You know, please subscribe to our channel, like the video, drop some of your own question in the comments section. We'll be sure to reply. But thank you, everyone. Brad, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much. We appreciate all the help you you've done in regards to helping our deals go through sure, yeah, yeah you're welcome you know no calling problem. you at random time brad what's, what's going on here <laughs> i for sure called you many of times i'm like brad uh, i need this time <laughs> that's the job that's the teamwork right? that's yeah. the you job know? that's the teamwork and um you know i'm gonna say it live on air I, I think the next one we're gonna bring you a, a special kind of not a weekly deposit but maybe a video of all of us on a, on a bike tour Okay, I like that. You know, I like that. I want to go on a bike tour. I love biking, but more summer biking. But I'd sure. be down for a winter biking too. Either one. Tour to St. Paul. I like Tour it. to St. Paul. Tour to St. Paul. <laughs> okay, thank you, everyone. And we'll see you on episode 10. All right, thanks. All right, everyone. All right, see you.